Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Joshua chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 1. And you might want to put your bookmarker there. If you have a marker in your Bible. We'll be maybe touching some other scriptures and then coming back to that chapter. Shall we pray first? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for our privilege of assembling ourselves together for the purpose of studying your word. Great Holy Spirit and revealer of the truth, teach us, enlighten us, direct our spirits and illuminate our minds. As the word goes forth in demonstration of the spirit and power, it will produce life, light, and love in the heart of the hearer. Our hearts are receptive, our ears are attentive, and our minds are open as we now channel ourselves to receive from Thy Holy Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Joshua 1, 2. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, under the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, and all, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand nor to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We want to entitle our message this evening, Good Success in Life. Good Success in Life. Not just success in life. I believe there's a difference. We can have good success in life. One can be successful in life, but yet that success not be good. Our Heavenly Father has desired earnestly that each and every one of His children have good success in life. Not only has He desired it, 
And not only does he desire our prosperity, but also he's pre-planned it and made provisions for it in Christ Jesus our Lord. He desires it. He's pre-planned it. And he's already made provisions for it according unto his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In other words, everything that we need to be successful in life is already supplied. The deposit has already been made in our heavenly bank account and all we need to do is withdraw. Or shall I say, learn how to withdraw. Third John 2 says in his epistle, Beloved, I wish or pray above all things that thou mayest prosper. I want you to notice that expression. Above all things, John says, I pray that thou mayest prosper or be successful and be in health even as thy soul prospers. It was the beloved John's earnest desire also, and I believe that heartfelt desire came from the Father himself, that those that he was writing to, of course, right on down through the ages, doesn't just belong to those that he wrote the particular letter to, it belongs to the whole body of Christ, that they prosper or be successful in life, even as thy soul prospers and be in health. Well, let's look at another scripture here before I go on there. First Timothy chapter 4. Put your, keep your bookmarker back there. And verse 8. There are those that have the idea that godliness, of course, I guess the world calls it being religious or, you know, religion, means that you have to give up the pleasures of this life or the good things that are in this life. But contrary-wise, the Bible doesn't teach us that. The Bible teaches us that we can actually have success in this life that we live in right now. We can be successful in every realm of life, spiritually, mentally, physically, and materialistically. That's exactly what God's Word teaches us. The, the, the difference or the distinction between being successful in life, God's way in being successful in life, according to the world system, is the difference between or the distinction between good and evil. See, we can have the same things as the people in the world have. You could have material things as the people in the world have. The problem is the way you get it. How do you get it? See, how did your success come? And we're going to see that this evening. But for this time, it would be you know, good for us to know that the Heavenly Father wants us to profit in this life. Look at verse 8. For bodily exercise profited little, or for a little while. But godliness is unprofitable. Huh? What, what, doesn't that say unprofitable? Oh, it says profitable, doesn't it? I'm yeah. But godliness is profitable under a few things. Huh? You say, why do you do that to make sure you're looking? Hmm. Godless is profitable unto all things. Everybody say all things. all things. Having the promise of the life that now ain't. Oh. 
The promise of life that what? Now is. Amen. And that which is to come. Well, let's back up just for a minute. It says, Godliness is profitable. Profitable means it's advantageous. Profitable means it is beneficial. Or it brings profit. Or it brings gain. Godliness is advantageous. Now, if you really think about it, he's got to be talking about this life. Because it would be very foolish to write to us and tell us that godliness is profitable in heaven. The only thing you're going to find in heaven is godliness. Because the only one that's going to be there is God and His children. No devil, no demon, no disease. Right? Amen. But he says here, godliness is advantageous or beneficial. It brings benefit. Having the promise, that's part of the benefit. Now notice this word promise. This word promise means the assurance that one will perform a specified act. This is having the assurance that one will perform a specific or specified act or acts. That's what a promise is. But now notice that godliness is profitable and it gives us this promise. Having this promise. What promise? The promise of this life that now is. Well, it's quite obvious that if we don't know what that promise is, we can't cash in on the benefit. See, the benefit is only of value if we know what the benefit is. If we don't know what the benefit is, if you don't know you have benefits where you work and don't know what they are and you just go on, you know, and pay your own hospitalization and, and pay your doctor bills if you have any and, and uh, you know, do certain things that really are foolish to do because you have benefits but you just didn't use them. Well, I think it's silly, isn't it? If they provide for you certain benefits, I think you should cash in on them, don't you? Okay. Well, the same thing is true here. We have certain benefits. And we have a promise. And the promise means that we have the assurance that what God said, He would perform, He will perform. And notice in Jeremiah 1.12, He says, I watch over my word to perform it. See? He watches over that word to perform it. Well, let's look at another scripture. This will bless you. If it, if it blesses you like it blesses me, you better get ready. If you've got your shouting shoes on, because you're going to shout. Look at Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 16. And we may get an idea just what it means to be an heir to a promise. Oh, I mean to tell you this is good. 6.16 For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show under the heirs of promise. Everybody say, I'm an heir of promise. Now, godliness has the promise. The promise of the life that what? Now is. And of the life that what? Well, let's let the life that is to come take care of itself for a while here. And let's talk about tonight the life that now is. I think there are too many wanting to live off in the sweet by and by. And uh, too many wanting to live in the past. Not enough want to live in the life that 
now is. Now are we the sons of God. See? Now are we the redeemed of the Lord. Faith is always in the now. Present tense. Oh, it would change and revolutionize our entire life if we would live in the now, the present tense. Paul says, put the things behind you. The defeats and the victories. The things that are before you, they've not come yet. Live in the now. Have goals and desires, which we'll see and talk about. But live in the now. Now we've been made free. See? Well, now he says here that we have an heir of promise. Now an heir is one who takes over. Like, you know, when you have a king and he dies and his son becomes heir to the throne, he takes over, doesn't he? And he also displays the quality of the, the qualities of the forerunner. Now, when that king gets on that throne, you know, and lives out his entire reign and then finally dies and leaves that, you know, reign over to his son who is heir to the throne, he takes over for the, for the father. He becomes the king in his stead or in his place, and he just picks up where the forerunner left off. And then uh, he also displays the, the qualities of the forerunner. He just takes over and just does things just, you know, the way he did. Maybe a little bit of change here and there according unto his, you know, desires. But basically, he just has the same kind of rule or authority. Well, you want to hear something good? You're an heir of God. Well, that didn't sink in. It means you take over for God. What? Say that again? I said you're a joint heir with that means you take over where he left off. Did he leave us? In a sense that he went back to the Father's right hand? Yes. But did he leave us helpless or comfortless? No. He left us and made us his heir. One to take over. One to display his qualities. Notice the rest of this. Go on and read the rest of this. That by two immutable... Here's a promise... The immutability or the unchangeableness of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath or a promise that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation or faith, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner, the forerunner, the forerunner. See, an heir. He takes over for the forerunner. And the forerunner has entered in for us. We are heir to his throne in this earth. He is reigning there. But Romans 5.17 says we're to reign as kings in life. By one Christ Jesus. And that's saying that, that physically speaking, if I can use that term, physically speaking... The king died. Do you see that? And he's left this realm. Jesus no longer is in a physical body in here, in this realm. See? So he died, and he went on back to glory, and he's right at the right hand of the Father. He's the king of us kings. He's the Lord of us lords. And so we take over. We take over where he left off. That's why he says, when I go to my father, the works that I do, you're going to do also. In greater works, you're going to do because I'm going to the father. You're going to pick up where I left off. That's what he's saying. 
I've given you all the equipment. I've given you all the ability. I've given you all the power. I've given you all the dominion. I've given you my kingdom. I made you my heir. You're an heir of God. You're a joint heir. That's what it means. Joint heir with Jesus. And it's a promise. We're the heirs of promise. And the promise is success in life right here and now. Godliness is profitable unto all things. Having the promise of this life. So we are heirs of promise. And that promise has been given unto us. Now, what are the benefits? This, again, will bless your heart in Psalm 103. Now, we've, we've read this many times, but I want you to see it in this light. See, sometimes we climb up the mountain from a different side and get a different point of view. We see it from a different angle. But look at Psalm 103 in light of what we've just said about our being an heir of promise. And our having a benefit or benefits in this life that now is. Now, in this life that now is, in Psalm 103, now remember, godliness is profitable or beneficial or brings benefit to us who are the heirs of this promise concerning the life that now is. And here are the promise or the benefit. Bless the Lord, O my soul, verse 1. And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His what? All His what? Now, now notice that a promise is the assurance that the one that spoke or the one that gave His word out will perform what He said. That's why He promised. To the heirs of promise, He strengthened that promise by swearing by himself, showing the immutability or unchangeableness of his counsel or of his wisdom. So he cannot lie. Everybody say, God cannot lie. He swore by an oath. He gave me a promise. He will perform it. Now, what are those promises? Well, let's look. Number one, who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Did you ever notice that when you get to heaven, you won't have to have your iniquities forgiven? There isn't any sin in heaven. There's not going to be any there. He's not talking about heaven. See, he's talking about the life that what? Now is. He forgiveth all thine iniquities. You know, he has promised us that. He has stated, swore by an oath, that if we'd ask him to forgive us, he would. He can't change. Number two. Blessed fact, who forgive, who healeth all thy, what? There's healing flowing right now. Who healeth all thy, what? All thy diseases. Do you see this? Forget not all his, what? That's a benefit. Godliness is beneficial, profitable. Godliness brings benefits. Benefits stated by the Most High, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Number three, who redeemeth thy life. Everybody say, He redeems my life. Now see, beloved, He's not talking about your spiritual life. Oh, do you know how many read that over and they say, well, He's talking about our spiritual life. No, He's not talking about your spiritual life. 
there's no destruction in heaven. He redeemeth your physical life from what? Having the promise of the life that, that now is. He redeemeth your physical life from being destroyed. And I'm going to give that to you in, in more literal Hebrew translation. Because if you study that out, you'll find out that what he's actually saying over here is that the human being does not have any power to keep his heart beating. You don't have any power. How many of you have power to keep your heart beating? Not one of us, do we? But he's saying that godliness is profitable. And God will keep life being poured out into your mortal or physical body by keeping your heart beating and redeeming it from destruction. That's what he's saying. That's longevity. That's what a promise of godliness is. That God will keep your heart pumping, keep it beating, and redeem your physical life from being destroyed at the hand of the enemy. That is a benefit of the Most High. You're an heir of promise. The promise has been made. He swore by an oath. Let's not forget all of his what? Benefits. See, our life being spared from destruction has got nothing to do when we go to heaven. When we go to heaven, there's not going to be anything to destroy our lives. I read the back of the book already. It told me back there that the devil won't be there. He wasn't invited to the party. See? And when he's cast out, there won't be anything that hurts or destroys. Isn't that what it says back there? Sure. So he's not talking about that. He's talking about when? The life that now is. Some of you younger folk, you're going to get a hold of something here. And when you see it, it's going to bless your heart. Because you don't want to die prematurely, do you? Oh, God has made a way for His children to live out the full length of their days upon the earth. But many, because of not knowing the benefits and the promises of the Most High, they have gone and done foolishly and they walked in the ways of wickedness and walked in the ways of evil. And consequently, they've lost their lives. But if they'd have come to know the way of the Most High and entered into the counsel of the Almighty, their life would have been spared. And they'd have been here even this day to show forth the excellencies and glories of Him that's called them out of darkness and brought them into the glorious light. That's the truth. Bless God. Look at it. Go on to the next one. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Oh, doesn't that just warm your heart? Here I am, Father. You see, when you get to heaven, it's the warmth of the, of the Father is just going to just be poured out all over us. Why would He have to promise us that in heaven? Don't need to promise us that for heaven because in heaven it's going to be that way. Can you see that? But down here on the earth, when you're struggling through life, down here on the earth, when it seems like things are coming your way that are opposing, you know, your success in life, he says, I will crown you with loving kindness and tender mercies are pour out unto you. That's a benefit. See, right in the middle of all the world's depressions, right in the middle of all the world's recessions, you can walk with your head up high. And say, He crowneth me with loving kindness and tender mercies. I trust in the Lord. I don't trust in the economy of this world system. And you've got a smile on your face. And they kind of wonder, Boy, where's this fellow come from? From the bosom of the Father. Hallelujah. He's given birth to us. Can you say amen? That's a benefit. Who else? What else? Well, He satisfied thy mouth with good things, that thy youth may be renewed like the eagles. Well, renewed life we need down here. Amen. 
Sure. We need to have our lives strengthened uh, down here. Our life is renewed day by day down here. In other words, life will be poured out of our spirit into our physical life, into our physical body. And our strength shall be renewed like the eagles. These are benefits. These are beneficial to the believer. For what life? The life that now is. Not the life that is to come. Now, we'll benefit in the life that is to come because the promise is for the life that now is. And it doth not yet appear. <laughs> Glory to God. What we shall be. But we know now we are the sons of God. And we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like unto Him. Can you imagine it doesn't yet appear what we're going to be like? We're going to shine. Hallelujah. Bless God. Can you imagine? I don't believe our minds can fathom what it's going to be like over on the other side. We get a glimpse of it here and there. Sometimes you're in prayer. You get caught up into the glory of the Lord. Time elapses. An hour goes by. Sometimes two hours go, go by. And you go, my goodness, where did the time go? Can you imagine when you get out there into where there's no time at all? So you enter into the realm of God where there's no time. And when you enter into the very presence of the Father, you're lost in it. Hallelujah. Well, we better go back. Go back to Joshua. And let's see something here. Now, let's bring all this together. Moses died. Moses was the forerunner, wasn't he? Sure. Moses was leading God's people into, supposedly, the land of... Of what? Promise. Sure. Well, aren't you glad we've got a better leader than Moses? Aren't you glad we've got a better leader than Joshua? Aren't you glad that our forerunner is Jesus? He doesn't fail. He gets us all the way in to the promised land. See? In Him we live. In Him we move. In Him we have our being. Well, now Moses, he died. And because of his death, you see, God needed somebody to be an heir to take over, to display the same qualities. And I'm sure that the qualities that the Lord spoke of concerning Joshua were the same ones He told Moses when He was up there on Mount Sinai. As a matter of fact, I believe not only will they bless us, but, you know, help us in life. But I believe that, that if understood, it will cause... Everybody, not just, not just those that, that, you know, are in a position to be blessed in life. I believe if every individual, I don't care if you were in the lowest form of human degradation before you ever got born again, saved. I don't care if your life was a shambles or a mess. I don't care what it looked like from a natural standpoint. I want you to know that if you get a hold of the Word of God and get God's Word deep inside your heart and do exactly what He said to do to Joshua over here and follow the principles, line upon line, a precept upon precept, you will enjoy the fullness of the blessings of the gospel of Christ and He'll lift you up to a place where you'll have favor among men and favor with God and you'll walk in success in every area, phase, and aspect of your life. I'm talking about every aspect of life, every phase of life. Your marital relationship, your business relationships, you know, what you do in employment, anything that you do physically, mentally, Everything that you do in life, everything your, your hand touches, as a matter of fact, which we'll see here in the Scriptures, everything your hand touches will prosper. That's exactly what God said to them. If they would follow His what? Instructions, His counsel, His wisdom. God is not opposed to our being successful. 
He's not opposed to us enjoying benefits in life. You are somebody special. Your life has great value and meaning. It is the Father's care that causes us, you see, to prosper in life. It is His love for us. It is His provision for us. It's all that He's done for us in Christ that enables us to be successful in life. Not to want to be successful in life is like to turn your, you know, your back on Him. He's provided. How many of you are providing for your children's future? How many of you desire to provide for your children's future? How many of you want your children to have a better life than you? Don't you? Sure you do. What kind of a person would we be if we didn't want our children to be better off than we are? I mean spiritually, mentally, physically, materialistically, every way. Sure. Well, the Father has provided. And since we can't get any better, Jesus said it's enough if, that you be like your Master. Think about that. It's enough that you be like your Master. So you can't be better than Jesus, can we? But can you imagine Him making such an assertion? It's enough for you to be as I. In this earth, you are as I was. As I am in heaven, so are you upon the earth. Can you imagine? Dear Lord, He has provided so much for us. Well... Here we see in verse 2 that Moses died. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And now that he's dead, he needs somebody to take over for him. And Jehovah, now notice in verse 1, it says that the Lord spake. God ever speak to you? I don't know how he spoke to Joshua back there. But I'll tell you what, if, if, if I heard a voice of thunder or if an angel appeared, whatever way he spoke to Joshua, and you know he had to know he was speaking to him, and that voice came unto you and said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua, I want you to pick up where he left off. I want you to do exactly what he did. I want you to lead my people into the promised land. It would wake me up. Would that wake you up? He'd have my undivided attention. I mean, you know, you could just imagine, you know, it leaves your mind just wandering. I mean, when Jesus was, was, was uh, anointed with the Spirit, when He got baptized, the heavens opened, and a voice came down out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, whom I'm well pleased. Hear Him. So they opened, and the people that were dead just arose and just went into the city and preached. That would make one an evangelist, wouldn't it? I mean, to tell you, you saw, you know, your, your neighbor Joe died three years ago, and all of a sudden, when Jesus was raised up from the dead, He comes knocking on your door. Hey! Oh, you know, wouldn't that make you uh, uh, wake up? The Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. Wake up. Well, let, before, we, before we get into this right here, we've got something else to look at. Let's go to Psalm 37. There is a, a difference between good success and bad success. That's why I entitled this Good Success in Life. Moses died, Joshua took over, but, but Jehovah gave uh, certain instructions and, and, uh, and he revealed certain qualities that would enable Joshua to be successful in life. And I believe that if we have insight into what he told Joshua to do, I believe also we would be able to follow those instructions and also display those same certain qualities that would make us also successful in life. And uh, I believe that's why he revealed them to him in such a way. But in Psalm 37, I wanted to show you the distinction between good success and evil success before we look at that. Because I, I believe that he here's where God told him one thing over there in, uh, in, in, I believe, verse 6 or 7. Verse 7. He said, don't turn from the left to the left or don't turn to the right. 
I'm going to give you certain instructions, but don't to the left, don't go to the right. In other words, there are two extremes. Don't go to one extreme, don't go to the other extreme. Stay down the straight and narrow, and you will be successful in life. I believe the most successful person in the body of Christ is an individual who does not get overbalanced one way or underbalanced the other way. One who doesn't, you know, fall into the ditch of extremism on one side, and then, of course, back on the other side, we get back into that, you know, that ditch of tradition, religious, you know, experience and that sort of thing. But here in Psalm 37, we'll see the difference in or between good success and bad success. See, good means moral excellence. Good means virtuous success. It means honorable success. Whereas evil, evil or bad means evil, wicked. Bad means evil or wicked and immoral. But over here, now notice verse 1. Fret not thyself because of everybody say evildoers. Neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Now, I believe today that we have those that, even in the body of Christ, they're guilty of this. I believe they're guilty of the success of the sinner. I've heard even them say to me, well, why is it that there are those that are successful in life? Why is it that there are those that, that have things in life who are not children of God, who, who serve the devil? And they seem to have nice homes. They seem to have nice cars. They seem to be prosperous and, and successful in life. Why is it? How come they're so prosperous and successful? And then some believers along the way, they get, you know, they get weary and well-doing and they begin to faint. You know, and they think that there's more that they can have in life and God's not the way to go because they just can't seem to get it. Well, you see, beloved, God doesn't want to hear that. He doesn't like that. The Bible doesn't say that, to be overcome of evil, but it says to overcome evil with what? See, that individual is being overcome of evil. They want the same thing, and it's not wrong to, to have or desire the same things in life, to have good things in life. The, the wrong thing is it's, the, it's the, uh, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's, it's the wrong attitude of heart. It's the way we go about to get that which we want. See, they neglect the fact that, yeah, that person is successful in life. He may have success. He's got wealth. He's got riches. He's got a nice car. got a nice home. got a nice family. So, supposedly from an outward appearance. But, beloved, if he got it that way through immoral success, if he got his success through wicked success, if he got his success through evil, bad, is he really successful? Does he really have success in life? It may look that way from an outward appearance, beloved, but he is not a successful individual. And we'll see that here. Look on down in verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. How does he prosper in his way? Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. I want you to underline that in your Bible. Now, I want you to see thought here. Notice that the wicked man in his way, or the evildoer in his way, through evil, he brings wicked devices to pass. But the doer of God's Word can enjoy the same success, but he bringeth benefits upon himself through well-doing. Now mark that because there's a distinct difference between the two. This fellow brings his success in by bringing wicked devices to pass. But the believer, he bringeth profit. He bringeth gain. 
He bringeth benefit. How? But now, let's back up. In that same verse, verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently. Now, see, there's going to be a distinction between good doing and evil doing, and part of it is, is resting in the Lord. And here's where sometimes people, even in the body of Christ, they don't want to wait upon the Lord. They don't want to rest in the Lord. They want to get it, you know, as fast as they can. And because we become so impatient in the way of the Lord, we turn to worldly means. We turn to another method. We turn to another way. Well, see, God doesn't want that for our lives. It may take a little bit longer for you to learn, for me to learn how to get involved in the plan of God. See, He has a plan of benefits for us. He's got a redemptive plan that He has provided for us. He has, he's already in, in, in His own mind, in His own thinking. He has already given us everything that pertains to life and the godliness. That means this life and godliness. Everybody say that I have all things that pertain to life and godliness. Well, now, if you have all things that pertain to life and godliness, and godliness is profitable unto all things, the promise of this life and now that one is to come, and the benefits that He has offered to us or given to us or stated that He would perform to us is long life, length of days, health, protection, loving kindness, tender mercies, renewing your strength, everything you could possibly ask for. Can't we see here that if we just tap into God's way, learn about God's way, that God's way eventually will get us to a place where we can, have, we can supersede anything this world has to offer? He is not concerned about us having things. He's concerned about things having us. And if my method of getting things crosses the line of the good door to the evil door, then you see, that's not godliness. And godliness will give us gain. But gain without godliness in the sight of God is wrong. So you see, some of us sit out there and we just think, well, yeah, they're so-and-so. Look at how prosperous they are. Beloved, they don't prosper. That's a false prosperity. Because I'll tell you something, when something comes along, look at what it said over there in verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass. Just like the grass. But, trust in verse 3 in the Lord, and everybody say do good. That means be a good doer. Not an evildoer, but be a good doer. And don't be overcome of what? Evil? But overcome evil with what? Good. Okay, so be a good doer. So shalt thou dwell in the land. What land? Promised land. What land? Promised land. You see that? He didn't say get to it, beloved. He said dwell in it. You know, dwelling in the land, the promised land, is the final phase or final step. He says you come to the land, possess the land, and the third one was what? Dwell in the land. By being a, a doer of good, you know, you're going to get to that place of dwelling in the land. And when you dwell in the land, it means all the benefits are just heaped on you. Just, I mean, overflowing in abundance all over us. He wants us to be successful. He has a plan for our success. He's already pre-planned it. He's already outlined it. He's already given us instruction and qualities that we have to display and obey. And we will be successful God's way. Success in life, God's way. Good success, not evil success. Okay, let's go on there. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of your heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. 
He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Now, let's see something here. Let's go back to Psalm 1. It'll show us something between about the righteous or the good doer and the evil doer and what happens at the end. The time that it's harvest time, what happens at the end of their life. Well, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel, verse 1 of Psalm 1, of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now notice that the ungodly does have a way. And they have a way that makes them prosper. And they have a way that makes them successful in life. And they have a way to get things that they want, the desires that they want in this life. And the believer who is impatient just might get caught up into that way. And if they get caught up into that way, they're not going to be blessed of the Lord. They may get some gain, but it will not come by the way of the Lord. Now, he goes on to say here, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, bringing forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he doeth, whatsoever he what? Say doeth again. He didn't say be an evildoer. He said be a what? A good doer. Whatsoever he doeth shall what? That word prosper means be successful. Whatsoever he doeth. Didn't say some things he doeth. Said, I believe we could enter into a realm with God that whatsoever we doeth. You know, he says when a man's ways please the Lord, he'll make his enemies be at peace with him. You know, I believe he's saying he'll make your mistakes prosper. I believe that. Well, I made a mistake today, but the Lord worked it out for my good. Glory be to God. Aren't you glad you got somebody like that on your team? Sure. That's what He does for us. When you live by the integrity of God's Word, holiness, and righteousness, He will make everything your hand touches prosper, be successful. That's a pretty good business proposition, wouldn't you say? It goes on to say, but the ungodly are not so. No, they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly not, shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous. You know why the Lord knows the way of the righteous? Because He planned it out. He pre-planned it and designed it for us. But look at the last part of that. But the way of the ungodly shall what? There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Oh, yeah, we're going to go on and just do what we want to do in life. And we're just going to, you know, fulfill our desires. You know, I, well, I've always wanted to do this in life. And I've wanted to do that in life. Beloved, there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. See, all the desires that we ever want to have in life can be fulfilled in a righteous way. I mean, I'm talking about from spiritual, mental, physical, material. I'm talking about everything, every desire that we have in life. Every desire that we have in life can be fulfilled. And I don't care how big your dreams are. I don't care how big your imagination is. The Bible says what a man imagines to do in his heart, he's going to do it. And when we start getting into the program and plan of God, you cannot want more success than God wants you to have. I cannot want more success in my life than my father actually wants me to have. He wants me to be more successful than I am. He wants you to be more successful than you are. He wants you to have more than you receive. Because he's provided all things that pertain to life and godliness and it's already been credited to our account. That's the kind of God we serve. 
If it's so simple, but it's, it's, it's probably complex because it's so profound. If we ever got a hold of this thing, beloved, I'll tell you, they set us just foot loose and fancy free. We begin to see that we can just tap into this life, success in God. I mean good success. In everything that we desire, seek ye first the kingdom of God, His righteousness, and those other things shall be added unto us. The problem with the body of Christ in, in many cases is they're seeking these other things instead of seeking God. Seek the way, the purpose, the plan, the will, the program of God for our lives and beloved. Start to walk in it in integrity. Start to walk in it in godliness and godliness will cause you to prosper in every area of life. Everything you touch and set your hand to do will prosper because He's already pre-planned it for us. He's already established it for us. Now let me give you an example. Like in business, there is a way that seemeth right unto the businessman. It seemeth right. You know. Well, if you're in business and you're a believer, you have more temptations to be a crooked businessman than you can shake a stick at. If you're in business, there are more things that will come your way to make you be dishonest. See, that's part of evil, being dishonest. An evildoer, an evil way. There are more things, more loopholes. Your tax accountant will make you want to do more illegal and wrong things and look, make it look good in your eye and say, Look, I can save you a few dollars over here on your income tax. Why don't you just do it this way? And you'll look at him and, boy, the sweat will come over here. And that little voice back there says, Go ahead and do it. Go ahead and do it. Forget about it. Forget about it. It's all right. No. But you have integrity. You're an individual of integrity. You walk in godliness and holiness and you tell that tax accountant exactly what you believe. And you'll say, No, I'm a man of righteousness and I believe in right doing. If it's legal, fine. If it's illegal, no, I won't do it. And you know what? God will bless you. You say, well, it may not come right away. That's okay. Beloved, I'll tell you something. I, and I have to give you a few testimonies here because if we get to finish it, we do. If we don't, we don't. But, but bless God. I went to a tax accountant one time and uh, this was before we went to Raymond. We went to... Uh, this guy always did our income tax. We just got saved and, and uh, we had purchased a home a new home, and back, way back when, the government offered... Don't ever take anything the government offers. The, the government <laughs> offered everyone that bought a new house at that particular time a, a, a certain amount of money, a rebate. Hmm. A rebate if you were to purchase a brand new home in that particular year. I believe it was 75 or something. No. Yeah, it was 75. That was before I got saved, but that's when I purchased it. I got saved afterward. And I didn't read the fine print. I'm not a tax accountant. I didn't know anything about it way back when. I didn't even understand half the stuff. We weren't planning on moving anyhow. Then God speaks to our heart after we got saved and says, go to Ramah, move, sell your house, all this. Everything. Just go ahead and go. Well, I go over, you know, to get everything right. I, and and uh, I said, I thought that you had to possess the house for so many years before, you know, you can keep all the money that, that they sent back. Like, you know, we got the maximum because the, co the house cost enough money to get the maximum rebate that they were going to give back to you. And it was like $1,800 they gave back. And so, you know, Bless the Lord. So we're $1,800 we get back and we thank the Lord for that. Well, we sell the house and, and uh, went to the tax accountant, got everything straightened out. He says, everything is fine. Everything is perfect. You purchase another house, replace it. Everything is fine. You don't owe them anything. You ever get that knot down here when they say, you don't owe them anything? I got a knot down on my stomach, but I ignored it because he's the man that knows, you know, he knows all. I don't know anything about taxes. He knows everything about taxes and, you know, he's involved in it all the time. That's his profession, you know. So I just go on with my life. Oh, Uncle Sam has a way of finding out where you live. <laughs> and boy, it seems like they just check this, these things. That, you know, 
I thought everything was okay. I mean, we thought everything was a-okay. We're down at school. We're down at Ramah. We're going there. We spend all our, everything we possess, everything that we own, other than some of our furniture that we st- stored back in Youngstown. We're down there. We don't have anything left. Cash in our life insurance policy. Everything we had to make it through Ramah. And uh, right at the end of the year, we get a nice letter in the mail. You owe $2,000 to the IRS. Can you imagine that? I looked at that statement and I said, what? And we're adding interest. Interest. You know, 52% probably. I don't know. Dear Lord. It was only 1800 when I got it. Now you want 2000 already. When's, when, you know, how long have you been adding interest? So here you are. You're walking through life not thinking anything's wrong. You're just doing you know, what supposedly you did was right. They fell and signed it for me. I didn't do it. I didn't think about that. You know, and I didn't do an injustice. I did what I felt was right, other than the knot I had inside my spirit, but I didn't know what it was telling me. I didn't know anything about it then. Well, I, I want you to know that that thing bothered me. I go back. You're all right. They made a mistake. Oh, okay. I go down to Beaver Falls to the IRS. Down, down, and, uh, you know, well, we'll check into this for you and see what and everything. And finally, you know, I'm just letting this thing ride to see what's going on because I thought they had made a mistake and everything was legit and everything was all right and we didn't have to give the money back. I mean, here they give it to you, now they want to get it back from you. So, we get another letter in the mail. You need to report. You owe us and this thing keeps building up. Well, I sat there with that tax accountant inside that office, and do you know when he told emphatically, he told me, you do not have to pay this money back, a voice came unto me. It's another time a voice came unto me and spoke up and said, it's the easiest thing you'll ever pay. I, then I knew he was wrong. And I knew that that voice inside of me was right. And I knew I was going to have to pay that 2000 I didn't have a cent. I mean, we didn't have anything. And I knew we were going to have to pay that money back. And uh, I go on down there. I you know, to that meeting and everything, and I walk in, I go, and I show them the thing. I mean, you talk about a criminal, treating somebody like a criminal. I mean, pull you by the side and said, where's the money? I said, what? Where's the money? I says, I don't got it. I don't got it. <laughs> you know, what do you want? You know, I mean, I'm not going to go through this whole history. I went through school and everything. Just, just got done, sold everything that we had to go to school for the Lord. Now, this, 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 you know, I never had any encounter with IRS before. Boy, it was just so nice when you worked for a company, took it all out and just put it all in for you, and then you got money back. Praise God. But you see, this was different now. Well, I mean, he got a little bit nasty. Then finally, I just had to, you know, let my righteous indignation, you know. <laughs> uh, I said, excuse me if you don't mind. I don't believe I'm in the wrong. And I do believe a mistake has been made, and, and I'm here to rectify it. So whatever needs to be done will be done. Then he calmed down. And to make a long story short, we got it taken care of in such a way. I mean, the Lord so provided, they want to tap everything you make. Your income, take everything. I mean, everything that you got coming in, if you need anything else to breathe with, forget it. They want it all. You know, only absolute living expenses. Then they want everything else from your paycheck. I'm going, dear Lord. But you know, it was the easiest thing. We paid back that $2,000 like that. Now, we did the right thing. And we continue to do all that we knew to the best of our ability to pay our taxes right. One day, we're just going on through life. Just, just, you know, just doing what God wants us to do. One day, in a mailbox... Walk over there, another thing, IRS. 
And turn I go, oh, no. Okay, so I go, honey, here, I don't know how I'm going to do with this thing. I'm going to walk back. Let's go back in there and let's look at this thing together. Open this thing up. You know, I'm thinking, now, now what do I owe? You know? You have paid too much. Here's a check for $2,000. I said, they got saved. Holy be to God. If God could make the IRS be at peace with you, He could make anybody be at peace with you. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah, we said. What a gift. What a gift. <laughs> and we didn't... I mean, you talk about... They only, I, I thought that they only found out what you didn't pay, not what you overpaid. But that's what they did, you know. But you see, when you walk in integrity, when you decide... It may not look like it at the moment. But bless God, you just keep on walking in it and wait patiently upon the Lord and He will bring it to pass. And He did. I mean, He did. I'll tell you another way. See, you, you can prosper. Now, if you're in business, now don't forget this. You think by paying that employer, or employee, rather, uh, you know, a lesser amount of money is going to make you prosper? No. No. God's method is not that way. See, it may take a while to get something turned around and get things started, but you'll find out that the better you treat your employees, and if you're an employee, the better you treat your employer, you start to walk in God's method. You start to walk in God's way. And it may seem like at the beginning nothing's going to happen, but I'll tell you what, God, it is not the, 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 uh, the business of your employer to prosper you. He never said that, you know, He'll provide all that you need according to your job. He says He'll provide it according to His riches and glory by who? That means if you walk that way in integrity towards your... Don't complain about it. Whatever you make. Bless the Lord for it and say, Father, bless Him all the more. You'll find out that either He's going to promote you or He's going to do something along the line of blessing you. He is looking out for your interest and for your well-being, not the sinner. He wants a sinner to get saved. But now that you're saved, you're no longer a sinner. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to prosper in your way, which is His way. And shifting over from the world system, which is designed to fail... We shift over to God's system, which is designed to make us prosper in this life, to be successful in every realm of life, every area of life. When I say success, let's get money out of our mind. I'm not talking about just finances. I'm talking about the ability to contact the Father God at any given time of need. When your business is in trouble, you could look up with a heart of integrity and say, Father God, I have followed in your way. I have kept your word. I have kept godliness. I have kept holiness and righteousness. And now, Father God, you said you would not leave me, you would not forsake me, but you would be with me and you would prosper me in the way I turn and commit my business over unto you. Here it is, Father God. I bless you. You are the one that will make me prosper. And I guarantee you, by God's holy word, He made you a promise. He will not lie. He'll put angels out there right now to get your business flourishing once again when you walk into the integrity of God's word. As a matter of fact, go back to Joshua. Let's see some things he said here. Oh, this is so good. <clears throat> it, it's good. God's way is the giving way. Given it shall be given unto you. See, but, but you see, to do that, to start giving. See, we think that while we're doing is the, the, the giver part. You know, we're, we're just pouring out. But that's not it. We are a giver and we know God's laws of prosperity. He says, give and it will be given unto you. Do you know what? And the number one reason why, and, and I'm not, I don't talk much about this for this very reason. I'll explain myself. But the number one reason why the body of Christ does not prosper they don't tithe. 
it's said that only 15% bought Christ's tithe. But if I tithe, I can't pay my bills. Go back and listen to some tapes that we had over there that I did on, on faithfulness and tithing. Beloved, we, couldn't, we were in the same boat when we first got saved. When we first got saved, we could not pay a, a tithe. I never heard of tithe. I was not in a religion that, that taught anything about tithing. When we went to church, we put a dollar in, you know, if we went. <laughs> did you get that? If I played hooky, then we did something else with a dollar. But if we went, <laughs> amen. That was before I was saved. But anyhow, amen. Help me, Lord. <laughs> Am I glad my past is forgiven and forgotten and wiped out? Amen. But you see, I didn't know about tithing way back when. So when we got saved, I said, 10% of my income. I've got to pay for the car. I've got to pay for the house. I've got to pay for everything. That, you know, all the food, clothing, all that stuff. Dear Lord, I've got to pay. Now the Lord has said, will you rob me Don't, you know, by not tithing? I said, dear Lord, that settles itself the house. There was none of this business about should we wait and see if we can ever get to a place that we can manage our money better to tithe. Dear Lord, that's forever. Never you tithe. We said sell everything that needs to be sold, bless God, and tithe. And that's what we did. And we've been walking that way ever since, beloved. Not only is it enjoyable to tithe, but it's enjoyable to give way over and above your tithe. Often some of these, oh, bless, help us, Lord, while we're doing this, I don't know, but bless God. He said, there's so many bodies of Christ, they're so concerned about tithing off the net or the gross. I give you one statement of fact. Does Uncle Sam take it off your net or off your gross? Huh? Gross. Is he better than God? Case closed. Hallelujah. You know, when the government starts demanding more than God, Social Security... Why are we hitting this? Social Security for the individual who is, who is self-employed is 11%. 11 percent. 11 point what? Eight? Nine? Just Social Security. God only asks for what? Let's get back here. You got some time tonight? We're just getting going. Praise God. Let's, let's look at verse... Joshua chapter 1. Verse 3. He said, Every place the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given. Everybody say, God's given me the land. He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, not just this promised land, everything. And it's, we, need, we can't be immobile. We've got to be the ones to get out there and start treading, start walking. We've got to be the ones to start doing His way, start walking in the footsteps of His way. And it says here that every place you set your foot, if you just set your foot in salvation, you'll be saved and go to heaven. And praise God for that. But don't stop there. Get your other foot forward and get baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. And don't stop there. Get over and step another foot out in the area of healing and believe God to pro pro provide your finances and believe God to redeem your life from destruction. You know what's happened in Pentecostal circles? We've got so caught up in the move of God that we've become so uneducated concerning the plan, purpose, and the will of God and what has happened for the body of Christ. We just got our blessing around the altar and, and here we are ignorant of what God's Word actually teaches us. And you know, He doesn't want that any longer. He wants us to have comprehensive insight into His ways and purposes and be able to utilize all that He's done for us in providing all that we need in this life. That's what He wants us to do right now. And that comes by knowledge, revelation, knowledge, and understanding of His per perfect will for our lives. Every place you set your foot, he says, I'll see to it that it's yours. 
So start walking out there in the area of healing. Start walking out there in the area of, of, of prosperity. Start walking out there in the area where God's going to provide all your needs. Then he goes on to say, from this wilderness, and he gives them the, whole, the boundaries of, that he has provided for them. Okay, look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. I don't care in business or what else that may, may you know, represent. There won't be any man that will stand in your way. You know why? Not because you are overpowering them with evil. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You get out there and start loving people. Start doing good to people and you'll begin to see this. But then he goes on to say, um, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And really, we're not, I'm using this as an analogy or comparison, but listen, he says, as I was with Jesus. Do you see this? Joshua took the place of who? Moses, because Moses did what? Died. He was the forerunner. And now who became the heir? Well, Jesus died. Who becomes the heir? So what, what is God saying to us? I will be with you as I was with my son. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches us. Jesus says, I won't leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always. Do you see the comparison here? Jehovah is saying this to Joshua. The Father, through Jesus, is saying that to you and me. When you decide to walk in, in God's good success for life, it may look like you will fail. But you know here, God said, I will not fail you. And he gives him certain instruction. Then he gives him certain qualities. Look, he goes on to say, be strong and of a good courage. Courage is the quality or the state of mind or spirit that enables us, any individual, anyone, no matter who you are, to meet or to face danger or opposition with fearlessness. That's what courage is. He said, Joshua, you need to be strong. Believer, be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Be of good courage. In other words, face opposition, face danger with fearlessness. You know what that reminds me of? Philippians 1.28, you know what it says? And in nothing be terrified by your adversaries. Nothing. Why? Because your fearlessness is a sure sign of their impending doom, but to you it's a sure token of your deliverance, and that by the hand of the Almighty God. That's what courage is. I want to encourage you tonight to be courageous. Then he goes on to say, in verse 7, Be thou strong and very courageous, he reiterates, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right, talking about the law, the Mosaic law. But you see, beloved, let's incorporate into it our covenant. In our covenant, it's not the Mosaic law, it's the royal law of love. He's providing, I wish, well, I wish we had about three more sessions. He, he's, he's providing for us the way. He's showing Joshua, this is the way, walk in it. You need to be strong and of good courage. You will meet opposition. You will meet dangers along the way. But because I said I will be with you, will not fail you, will not forsake you, you could stand boldly, boldly, fearlessly before the, before the danger, before the adversary, and you can know that I'll be there and won't let you fall. You won't fail because you're walking in my way. And then you have strong faith because you can say, I'm doing the way of the Lord. And I found in my word, my Bible, that it says that the way of the righteous shall prosper. And in the pathway thereof, there's no 
death, destruction, doom. Then he goes on to say, don't turn to the left or to the right from the Mosaic law. But for us, don't turn to the left or the right from the law of love. Okay? Why? That thou mayest prosper or be successful, whithersoever you go. Whithersoever you go. Anywhere you go. And then he says, this book of the law shall not depart of you. He gives him more specific instruction. And uh, thou shalt meditate therein. Now, the law of love shouldn't depart out of our mouth. We should meditate the law of love. I want to define this. I want to, really, I want to focus in on this. The law of love is what he's talking about. This book of the law is the Mosaic law, but in our covenant, it's the law of love. We've tried, the body of Christ has tried to learn all this, the book of Revelation and all that, but they've neglected the royal law of love. The day and by night meditation and the words of the, of the believer is to be the law of love. And when we meditate and do the law of love by day and by night, meditation will help us to do it. Look what it says there. That thou meditate therein by day and night, and then thou, that thou mayest observe to do. When I meditate that law, I'll be able to do the law, the royal law of love. All that is written therein, then thou sh- shalt thou make thy way prosperous. You want to be prosperous? You'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. Good. That's why I got the title. Good success. Not evil success. I know it says you'll deal wisely in the affairs of life, but he's talking about good success. In other words, you can be successful right here in this room, sitting here right now. You can be successful, but if your success does not come by the way of God, no matter, even if it wasn't as, as far as evil goes, you know, wickedness or that, if it's just, I'm just successful because maybe someone left me a, a lot of money or an inheritance or that sort of thing, or a business or something like that, that's still not obtained to the way of God. Although you're blessed with it and thank God for that. Because to be successful in the sight of God, He knows the way of the righteous. It means because we have the ability to contact the Father at any given time of need. Because all the money and all the materialistic goods in the world will never heal your child if they're dying of a, of a disease that's incurable. Will it? But prosperity and, and success in life is the ability. And I cannot emphasize this enough, beloved. I can't tell you inside my heart what it's doing to me when I see little children dying of cancer, when I see little, little ones with incurable diseases, when I see the devil tormenting people, children, older people, young people. It doesn't matter who it is. The human body made by God. I, it just it tears me up on the inside. It's, it's, I just want to just cry out. I don't like to see people suffer with sickness and disease. I just can't stand it. I don't know about you, but I can't take it. But you see, that should move us to do something about it. That should drive us to our knees until, until we get to where we start displaying the qualities of Jesus of Nazareth and we begin to go about doing good also and healing those that are oppressed of the devil. He goes on to say, you'll have good success. And in verse 9, I've commanded thee, haven't I? Notice this, notice this, saints of God. This is a commandment of God. I have commanded you. Be strong. Be courageous or of good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed or disheartened or depressed or downhearted. Don't be that way. Oh, hallelujah, I believe. You know, I've just been sensing that, that in this past month it seems like people got off of the Christmas season and then some people got downhearted. Just like a wave of that depression going around. Beloved, He's commanding us to be of good courage. He's commanding us not to be dismayed. Don't be downhearted. I don't care what it looks like in your, you know, where you live, in your area of life. I don't care if it looks like, well, you have desires that you, you, know, you have in life. Those desires can and will be met. 
those desires, when you roll the works upon the Lord, He says, I will bring it to pass. Just get into my way of doing it. Don't go by the world system. Don't think that, that that's the only way to go. I have a way, and when it looks impossible, I'll make it possible for you. But be of good courage. Know that I w- I'm with you, and I will not fail you. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you whithersoever thou goest. Wherever you go. It doesn't matter where at. He's there. I'll close with this. There's so much that I want to pour out. Look, let's close with this last bit of Scripture. So, Psalm, um, Proverbs chapter 3. The success defined means a favorable outcome. It means that you've desired something in life and you've obtained it. It's a favorable outcome of something which you attempted. In other words, in order to be classified as being successful, let's look look at a football player. Someone has desired to break somebody's record doing this. And so he's working as hard as he can. It is his desire. Well, when finally he breaks that other fellow's record, he becomes successful. He succeeds in what he set out to do. If he never had a goal, his his desire, he, he can never be successful. He didn't consider himself successful until he set out to do something and then he achieved it or he obtained it. That means he's a success. Well, note this right now. If you want success, you have to have a desire. You can't be successful without having a desire. Most in the body of Christ, many are passive. They don't know what they want out of life. They don't know what they want to do in life. Well, you see... We've got to get to a place that we need to have a desire. We need to know what we want. If we don't know, God can't get something to us. We cannot be successful or succeed in nothing. There has to be something we desire. And if we'll set our goals like God wants our goals to be set, then, beloved, the things that we desire in life, we'll, be, we'll have them, we'll achieve, we'll attain to them. There are so many that have not desired to be healthy all the days of their life. They never set out to achieve it or to obtain it. So they're unsuccessful even though God has provided healing for everyone in the body of Christ. There are those that have died, as I said, prematurely. Why? Because they didn't desire it hard enough. You know those Olympic people, they work so hard, they desire a gold medal. And I don't care, they don't consider themselves successful unless they get that gold medal. Then they say, I succeeded. Second place is all right, but I succeeded. I'm a success. I got what I wanted. Well, beloved, I want to show you five goals. As far as I'm concerned, these are the most important goals anyone could ever set in their life to achieve or to obtain. In Proverbs chapter 3, God has given us a recipe for success in life. He has given us instructions so that we can have everything we desire or need in life. Look at these. Verse 2 of chapter 3. I'm just going to give you the, the five outstanding goals or desires everyone should have in their life. Number one, for length of days, long life, and peace shall they add to you. The Amplified says, a life worth living, a tranquil state. A life worth living will this give to you. Number one, what does God want us to have? Longevity, long life, full of peace and a tranquil state. A life worth living. Everybody say this. Success in life. Good success. Is long life worth living full of peace. 
Number one. If that's your desire, you know what you'll do? You'll do number one. Verse one. My son, forget not my law and let your heart keep my commandments. He told you how to get it. What will it do? Length of days, long life, and peace. It'll add to you. Okay? The next thing in life is number four. So shall you find, find favor and good... That word is success. In my margin of my Bible, it says success. Understand it. So you'll find favor and good success. Now, notice this. Are you ready? There are the evildoers. They found good success in the sight of men and even Christians. Why? Because they got a boat. Because they got a nice job. Because they got all this. But you know what? That scripture says you'll find good success in the sight of God... And he didn't specify whether they were saved or unsaved. You know, for a believer to find good success in the sight of an unregenerate man is something to think about. That means you have been successful even according to the world's definition of success. Do you see that? In the sight of God and man. But how do I get that, Lord? Verse 3. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them about your neck, write them upon your heart. You can't find that in anybody's um, ways to success. Ten ways of success in the world system. You won't find that in there. You won't find verse 1 in there. You won't find verse 3 in there. Look at verse 6. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path. He'll give you guidance in life. We should desire that. If we desire guidance in life, number one, you're going to get long life. Number two, you're going to have success in the sight of God, success in the sight of man. I mean, you couldn't ask for more than that. Number three, you're going to have guidance along the way of you know, life. Number four, and I don't see why anybody wouldn't want this. Dear Lord, look at verse uh, 8. It shall be health to the center of your being, your navel, and it shall be marrow to your bones. A healthy navel, navel and healthy marrow means you have a healthy physical life, doesn't it? How do you get it? Verse 7. Verse seven. Be not wise in your own eyes, for the Lord depart from evil. There's a lot of sermon right there, but that's how you get it. Now look at verse 10. So shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst out with new wine. That is materialistic prosperity. How do I get it, Lord? Honor the Lord with the first part, which is tithe, the tenth, first fruits of all that increase. Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. What happened? See, you won't find that in anybody else's book of success. You know why? Because they don't know God's method or God's way. And beloved, there is so much in, in Peter. Tells us about being successful in business. Tells us about being successful in marriage. And all these principles apply. They're all there. I just pray we had more time to get all this, this out. There's just so much. So much. If those are the five basic goals and desires that an individual has... Then he'll begin to shoot, you know, start to walk and start to tread upon that pathway of life to obtain those things. And then little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, God's way, God's method, God's instruction for success will unveil and be unfolded. And we'll begin to walk by God's methods or God's ways. And in, in God's method, there's no death. It says in the pathway of the righteous, there's life. In the ends thereof, there's no what? But the way that seemeth right unto a man, but the ends thereof is the way of what? See? Death. God has a plan for our success, beloved. It's already been pre-planned and established, and all we need to do is learn how to walk in it. And that's what we endeavor to learn here. Amen. Let's all stand before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life 
and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.